Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... People who are afraid to do what you're doing will seek to stop you to spare their own embarrassment. Be careful about asking everybody. Sometimes as you get moved to do something by faith, if you don't have faith friends, you may have people around you that are like, they know they would never do it. So they don't want you to do it either. Oh, they'll be the naysayer. They'll give you everything that could go wrong. Well, what about this? What if that happens? What about this? What, 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 what? And you know, be careful about those people and letting those people speak into your life. Every time we attempt to take a risk and confront a challenge, someone in our lives always drains our motivation. Your family members or even your friends could be the ones holding you back. However, are you aware of the cause of it? Pastor Bill explains today why it's crucial to surround yourself with folks who share your strong faith. People who are unable to do what you can often prevent you from trying. Instead, you can surround yourself with people who support you at all times. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, as he continues his message, Lessons from David and Goliath. David wasn't even thought well enough of by his dad to be brought out to the lineup when Samuel came out to see all the sons. And Israel's best, Israel's chosen best, are all paralyzed in fear, off on the sidelines, doing nothing. Um, number four, lesson number four, it is often the case that that which is highly esteemed by God is not highly esteemed by others because God's value system is different. David wasn't even thought enough of to be brought out to be chosen. David wasn't thought enough of to be invited out to the battle. But David's going to be the guy to get it done. Amen. And so be mindful of that. Sometimes we live in a world and we can get beat down. The world can beat us down, but people aren't believing in me. Other people aren't suggesting me. I wasn't given the position. People didn't ask me if I could do whatever. You got to know who you are in Christ. You got to know who you are in God. And you might not have people encouraged. We're going to see that David, David doesn't have one human being encourage him in this chapter. Everyone that takes the time to speak to David speaks discouragement. So the only people that care enough to speak, speak discouragement. Not one person stands with them. Not one, not one person says, yay, David, you go, brother. Nobody, nothing. But you know what? David didn't need that. You know what David had? A relationship with the Lord. Remember that. Remember that because we live in the same kind of world David lived in where people esteem all the wrong things. And you might get looked over. You might be th- people might look at you and think, oh, you don't have it. You're not what I'm looking for. That's not what I want. Don't worry about that. You're what God wants. You've been chosen by him, right? God says, in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he'll give you. He chose you. You're enough because he chose you. We need to be mindful of that, that we don't get that. We don't start believing other people that we believe God, not what other people have said or how we've been treated by others. Maybe your family. Maybe you're not esteemed well in your family. Maybe they look down on you because you're a believer. Maybe they don't value faith like you do. Um, Don't let that dissuade you or hinder you. You continue to go forth in the Lord. Again, lesson number four, it is often the case that that which is highly esteemed by God is not highly esteemed by others. God's value system is different. Verse 16, and the Philistines drew near and presented themselves 40 days, morning and evening. So this, this event happened for 40 days straight. I want you guys to think about that. 40 days in a row, 
You got this dude stepping out on the scene, coming out to the valley. They're on this side. You're on that side. Everybody's gang gang ready to go to war. Everybody got the battle arrangements on. And he's like, hey, send me somebody to fight with me. Who want this? There's a rapper. If you, anybody here likes rap, uh, you get, just look this up on YouTube when we leave the church. There's a rapper named, his name is K9. So look up K9, David and Goliath. He raps, uh, this story. It is hilarious. It's, it's well done. It's hilarious as well. It's got some little, people like some little hood vibes on David and Goliath. But, you know, as you look at the thing here, you know, he, he, he says that, that Goliath would come out every day, rip his shirt and say, who want to get hurt? You know, and I'm just banging on them every day and nobody wanted, nobody wanted to smoke with Goliath 40 days in a row. Think about this for an army. That means you went to bed and woke up 40 days in a row and nobody caught courage. Nobody went to bed saying, you know, what? that's enough. Nobody woke up one day and said, man, forget it. I'm just going to die then. But I'm going not 40 days in a row. There's nobody there that was willing to step up king or soldier or anybody else. 40 in scripture is a, is a symbolic of what? Judgment. Right. And so you wonder if this is man, this is the, the judgment on them for not believing God, not having nobody among y'all has faith. You know, that's among God's children, the God's people. Whenever God's people won't move forward in faith, they do fall into the judgment of God. Remember that Israel, when God had brought them to the promised land, told them that they were going to he was giving it to them. They didn't believe God. They believed the bad report of the, the spies. And so they wandered in the wilderness and they died in the wilderness. God said, y'all going to die here. Your kids can go, but y'all not going to get to go to the promised land. Not because if y'all had a fight, if y'all had a fight, y'all would have won because I would have fought for you. But you didn't believe me. So now you don't get to go. And what if this army would have said in the name of the Lord, we go. I think God would have gave him the victory. But not one man was willing to do any of it. So so God had to raise up somebody else. Now, look at verses 17 through 23. It says, then Jesse said to his son, David, take now for your brothers an ephah of this dry grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses to the captains of their thousands and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul and all um, Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. I laughed when I read that. I had to go back and forth. Was, there was there was just verbal jousting, right? They, there wasn't nobody fighting nobody, right? So they were arguing. They were they were screaming back and forth, but they they weren't. They, nobody was taken to task. Sounds different than what was physically happening there. So uh, verse twenty then says, and so David arose early in the morning, left his sheep with a keeper took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array against the army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper and ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion of the Philistines, a Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. Now, David is innocent here, right? David's dad said, David's a little bro. David's dad is probably worried about the older boys. He says, hey, David, look, take this grain, take this cheese and give it to the captain. If you look at the VeggieTale rendition of this story, he's carrying pizza down. They took the ingredients and they said, ah, it's pizza, you know. But David is taking down these ingredients to, you know, give it to his brothers, give them some nourishment on the battle, give it to the captain over his brothers. But dad said, go find out how things are going. 
Right. Little bro, go down there. Just just tell me how they're doing. Everybody doing OK. The sons are they, they alive. They're doing well. And he wants to know how his sons are doing. A concerned father is what it sounds like. So David goes down to get this to do the job dad gave him to do. He's he's responsible. David's job was keeping sheep. He left his sheep with the keeper. I like that when I saw it. Right. He, he made sure that that was taken care of before he left. The sheep were cared for. And it just so happens that when David shows up, it's the time for Goliath to come out and make his show for the day. And so David comes and he looks and he's like, you know, I'm sure David was like, what, what is this? Perfect timing. And this is, this is what I wrote in my note. Being obedient to his dad and going to do this simple thing that he was asked to do, put him in position to do a great thing for God. Right. David just obeyed dad. Yes, dad. Now, I want you to think about this. He's been anointed king. He'd been in Saul's palace playing for the king. I mean, he could have got a big head. David could have said, hey, dad, I don't know you. I'm I'm kind of a big deal now. You know, I'm in in the palace with Saul. You got me out here with the sheep. I want a better job now, dad. None of that. David was content to do what his dad said do. He was humble and respectful. And him doing this simple thing that he got asked to do, it's going to put him in position to do a great thing for God. Don't ever be proud. Don't ever be too proud to do simple things. Right. If God gives you a small thing to do, do it faithfully. Do it as unto the Lord. There's no small thing to do for the Lord. Amen. There's no small jobs in the kingdom. If I I preach here, I will unplug a toilet here. I will. There's no small job, big jobs. They're just jobs. They're just things to do. They're just opportunities to glorify God and obey him uh, and serve people. David's doing this very simple thing. And it puts him right in position to really this, you know, one of the greatest, probably his greatest stories, you know, um, that he's going to be remembered for this. This will be the first thing that he's remembered for by all those who later on will follow him is this battle right here. The the battle that nobody else wanted, the fight nobody else wanted to take. um, David's going to be there right on time for it. So look at verse 24 to 27. Now it says, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him. And we're dreadfully afraid. Can you imagine that? I want you to get a visual of an army, soldiers, you know, men of war, men of valor running in fear, you know, cowering when this guy comes out, you know, stomping and talking smack. And they're running to get out of sight in fear. It says that they were dreadfully afraid. This is this is sad, right? This is embarrassing. They were dreadfully afraid. Verse 25. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen the man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches and give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. This is what Saul offered. Saul was like, I'm not going to go take this fade. I'm not going to get killed. But whoever is brave enough to go. Right. (laughs) I, I, I think it's hilarious. He says you'll get he'll enrich you if you're alive to spend it. I'll give you one of my daughters to marry if you make it. And I'll give your father's household exemption from taxes. So if you die, I'll still take care of your family, you know, and it give your father's household a tax exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, David, said, let me hear this one more time. What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistines that he should defy the armies of the living God? I want you to know this, guys. Listen how David's talking. David's like, man, who is this defying the army of the living God? Like, what is this? Who the nerve of him? David is appalled. He is like, who? Why is nobody checking him? Why is this being allowed? Why is this going on? Notice that nobody else is feeling like that. 
Nobody else has that about it, you know? Everybody else is cowering afraid. David is appalled. This is the little guy, though. This is, Mary said David was cute. He was a little cute. He was ruddy, had curly hair. He was good looking. He doesn't, you know, but he is appalled that this guy is defying the armies, as David said, the armies of the living God, right? Our God is not dead. Our God is alive, but he's defying the armies of the living God. Something got to be done about this. Verse 27 says, and the people answered him in this manner, saying, so it shall be done for the man who kills him. So David has got his little bit of info. The man who kills him, you're going to get some money. You'll be rich by the king. You'll take away this reproach from Israel. That's what David was concerned about. You'll get a wife, you know, to marry and your father's household exemption from taxes. I want you to note this. That's what they were putting forth. But I want you to know what David said with his words. Who's going to take away this reproach from Israel? Right. I don't think David cared about the money or the wife or the taxes. David said, this, this guy's disrespecting the God of Israel. That's that's what I have a problem with. Uh, who's going to take away this reproach from Israel? That's killing him will take away a reproach. Right, right now we look bad. Right now we're making our God look bad. We're being reproached. That's what David, I want you to know that David was concerned about other things. Um, and, and his motives for going are different. And so moving forward now, um, verse 28. And this is lesson number five, verse 28. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And get this. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know the pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down here to see the battle. So I, I wrote down lesson number five is people who are afraid to do what you are doing will seek to stop you to spare themselves embarrassment. Eliab is embarrassed that my little brother, right? The, my baby brother is out here. I'm scared to death with everybody else. And baby bro is out here saying, man, can I get some? Can I fight him? What do I get if I fight him? And Eliab is like, man, get out of here. What you come down here for? You just came down here to see a fight. And he said, I know the pride of your heart. He's going in on David. But there's, again, lesson number five, people who are afraid to do what you're doing will seek to stop you to spare their own embarrassment. Be careful about asking everybody. Sometimes as you get moved to do something by faith, if you don't have faith friends, you may have people around you that are like, they know they would never do it. So they don't want you to do it either. Oh, they'll be the naysayer. They'll give you everything that could go wrong. Well, what about this? What if that happens? What about this? What, 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 what? And, you know, be careful about those people and letting those people speak into your life. Again, I, I noted earlier that David wasn't encouraged by anybody. So his older brother is discouraging him. He's angry that David has stepped up. Now, here's the thing. He could have stepped up. Why he didn't step up? It bothered him so bad that David stepped up, but it wasn't in his heart. To step up again, I believe that this would shame him, uh, and it would be a shame if you're the eldest brother, the tallest, the biggest, the strongest. The you look fit for war, and you're scared to fight, and your little ruddy brother comes. He's like, "I'll take it. I'll do it. I'll fight him." And David is dead serious. David means every word of this, and so again, I think that it did put shame to the whole army of Israel, to Saul, to his brothers, to everyone else. I want you to think about this too. That um. For Eliab, I wonder, right? Because when Samuel came out to the house, Samuel thought Eliab was the obvious choice. I'm pretty sure Eliab thought he was the obvious choice. And probably the other brothers thought Eliab was the obvious choice. And then David got chose. I wonder if he feels some kind of way about that. 
I wonder if Eliab is over here hating a little bit, you know, uh, that, that God chose him and he didn't choose me. Um, and we want to be careful about that, right? If God chooses someone, we always want to be in agreement with God. God, I recognize you chose him. And if that's who you chose and I, I you know, you do all things well, I'm going to stand with them. I'm going to stand with your decision. Uh, we don't want to be Eliab standing against someone who's trying to operate in faith, getting in the way of faith. We want to stir faith, encourage faith, get behind faith, but you don't want to stand in front of it and be a hindrance to someone taking steps of faith. Amen. Look at verse 29 to 32. David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And that these people answered him as the first ones did. Now, when the words of David, when the words David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So Saul finally hears it because, you know, ain't nobody offering to fight. And so Saul finally hears, hey, there's somebody out there offering to fight. Bring him up here. And so David gets brought before King Saul and David, bold and brave. He says, hey, man, let me go. I, I will go. Let your servant go and fight this Philistine. David's willing to go down and do what nobody else wants to do and fight. And so look at verse 33, another discouraging voice. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him for you were a youth and he a man of war from his youth. Another discouragement. Um, lesson number six from this. We can't let men's word override God's word in our hearts. Right. David is convinced that God's going to do this through me. Saul says, David, oh, man, I, you know, Saul's probably excited. There's finally somebody willing to come. And then in comes this little kid, this youth. And Saul says, oh, man, I, I, I can't send you out to this guy. I eat you alive. Man. You, you're just a youth. This guy has been a warrior since he was a youth. And you're just a youth. This, this is not this is not right. Yeah, I can't do this. And he speaks a discouraging word to David. But I want you to look at verses 34 to 37. And David is not affected in the least bit. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. This is a lion and a bear. He grabbed it by the beard. Y'all see a lion's beard? You know, David, I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, two of the animals that I'm not trying to do nothing with. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Lesson number seven we need to draw on God's past faithfulness for our current battles. We need to draw on God's past faithfulness for our current battles. David's looking at this Philistine saying, man, he's nothing. But when I was keeping my dad's sheep out in the field, there were times when a lion and a bear. And I want you to note, David knows he didn't do it. He's like, look, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from this Philistine. David knows that when he was watching sheep and he had to fight a lion and fight a bear, that God gave him those victories. And so he's not a bad dude in and of himself. David knows my God is faithful. And if I could draw on that past faith, if you could, I'll say this. If you could whoop a bear and you could whoop a lion, if God can do that, 
you have every right to believe that this is a this is a big man. Like this is not a big deal, right? The bear was surely bigger than him. Uh, the lion was stronger than him. There's nothing for God. It'd be a lot for me, but it's nothing for God. When you get faced with a new challenge, when you get faced with a new set of circumstances that challenge your faith, you got to draw back. Look backwards. Look back to the last time you desperately cried out and God came through. Look back to the last impossible situation that God faithfully brought you through and let that encourage you in your current situation. Right. You got to look back and God's got a track record and his track record will always be faithful. And so as you look back and see, man, he was faithful there, he's faithful there. You know, you have no reason not to trust him for the new thing. I, a matter of fact, God, I'm wrong if I don't believe you now because you've only ever been faithful. You always come through. I got to believe you. I got to trust you. I got to I got to put my my faith has to be resting in you. And so David drew on God's past faithfulness for this current situation. And he shares these things with Saul. And finally, Saul says, OK, you know, basically, I, I, Saul sees he's not going to stop David with some words. And so he says, "Will you go and the Lord be with you. But it really did challenge me as I read this, that nobody, no, not one person encouraged him. And. Again, I think it's very important that we be careful of, you know, always wanting it. We want to be encouraged, but don't need it. Don't need it. Need you need to operate in faith. You need to trust God. You need to do what God puts in your heart. Um, it's nice if you got some faith friends, but if you don't and if nobody is encouraging you, you got to be able to move forward anyway with what God is putting in your heart. And so. David does that here. Look at verses 38 to 41. So Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had and his sling and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistines. Somebody mentioned earlier, we took questions that, you know, he took the five smooth stones. He had one for uh, Goliath. Yeah, he also had one for Goliath's brothers. Should they want to run up and do something, you know, uh, and many people believe that's why he picked up the number five because it only took him one to do what he had to do here. But here's the lesson in this. You know, Saul tried to put on David his armor. Saul was big. David's small. It just didn't work. David doesn't go to war like that. David's like, I'm out here. I'm, I, my outfit's a little lightweight. He got a staff, a sling, and his little pack of rocks. And that's what David was comfortable with. And so lesson number eight, use what God is giving you, not what others try to put on you. Be yourself. Be yourself. God made all of us a little different. Amen. I make a terrible, you know, Antony. Um, I make a terrible Pastor Clint. I'm just Bill Buffy. I'm a certain kind of guy. God made me a certain kind of way. It's always, you know, sometimes we can look up to people or we, but you don't emulate, don't copy, don't do what someone else is doing. Do it the way God gave it to you. You're unique. God gave it to you a certain kind of way. You want to, you want to be able to, you want to be free to be who God made you. It's actually constricting to try to be like someone else. The first time I ever got to speak at my old church, it was a mega church, Calvary Chapel Downey, big old church, 3,000 seat sanctuary. And I remember my first time getting to teach there was on a Wednesday night. 
And obviously, I was very nervous about it. And uh, I was praying and I had friends praying with me. And, and I was I was in my head about it. I, I kept looking at, you know, how how the pastor there taught. And I just I knew that I didn't speak like any of those guys spoke. One, they were all white. I'm not white. You know, the way I think is different than the way these guys think. And so I was warring with, you know, doing it the way I would do it and doing it the way I see it done. And a friend of mine, we had listened to this Bible study from Damien Kyle. And he had addressed this in the message perfectly. He said, if you get nervous about speaking, he says, when that happens, it's because you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about how you're going to do, how you're going to look. It's all about you. If you just die to yourself, God will use you. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. First Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive. And somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life. This was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God, and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.